This is Michael Cowan, and welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. You need to show people the worst possible harm that that negligence could have caused, because that's what the case is about. I'm asking you to do is to focus on what you can control, because that's where the power lies. The Dalai Lama uh, has a saying that in the face of anger, justice evaporates. If you can't focus group it, you have to be very, very critical of your process. The facts aren't good, you can't create a miracle. We can agree to disagree and be zealous advocates for our clients. Quit worrying about looking perfect. You're not going to. That'll come in time, but you can still be an effective litigator. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Trial Lawyer Nation, your source to win bigger verdicts, get more cases, and manage your law firm. And now, here's your host, noteworthy author, sought-after speaker, and renowned trial lawyer, Michael Cowan. Welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. I'm here with my partner, Mallory Peacock. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. And we are celebrating two years of doing this podcast now. I mean, that's just a huge milestone, and it's really, really exciting. We've had so many great guests, I mean, throughout the two years. So, Mallory, I want to start by asking you, what what's something that sticks out for you as you know, something you've learned from one of the podcast guests that you've been able to apply into your practice? I think one of the big themes for all of our guests um, is that you have to choose the kind of lawyer you're going to be. Um, and I think that that's step one for formulating a plan for all of your cases and formulating a plan for your practice, but really deciding this is what I want to focus on or this is who I'm going to be and then going after that goal. And it's a lot harder uh, than it seems at first cl- glance to actually do that in real life. Um, what are what are some of the struggles that you've had in deciding what is the kind of lawyer that you want to be and how do we want to practice law? Well, part of it, I mean, I think in the last two years, we've decided that we really want to have smaller dockets of you know quality cases to the extent we can get those in and just really focus on them. And then we're trying to, you know, unless it's a really, really big case, hyper-specialized in trucking and company vehicle cases. But, you know, when I spent so many decades of learning how to bring in work, and I'm the salesman in me wants to close every deal. So every time someone offers me a case or presents a case, and I know if I work hard enough, I can make that case. Yeah, it's a tough liability case. Yeah, it's not doesn't fit within our definition. It's hard for me to say no to it. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't. And then the other thing is, you know, you decide we want smaller dockets, and then you see the dockets getting smaller, and you have trouble not freaking out because you're used to having all these cases come in. And then your numbers are by choice getting smaller, but then it still freaks you out when you see the statistics. So it's having that that faith to to not go back to the old way and just to keep it going. Yeah, and I think to be fair, there's definitely a space in our business for people that want to handle enormous dockets and they want to do pre litigation only. Or I mean, there's a space for everybody and any kind of lawyer that you want to be in the personal injury world. It just depends on who it is that you want to be. And there's frankly a lot of clients that can only get justice from economies of scale. There are cases that only make sense. Uh, that I mean, we can't take a twenty or thirty thousand dollar case in our business model and work the heck out of it and give a. We can't hire a lawyer, you know, pay them whatever an associate wants to get paid these days, and say you're going to handle ten cases. They're going to bring in, you know, you know, ten thousand dollars each. You're going to bring in a hundred thousand this year, but we're going to have you. We're going to have a paralegal. We're going to have a building. We're going to have health insurance. It doesn't. The math doesn't work. Uh, and so, I'll, you know, if everybody decided to try to do the model that you and I are trying, a lot of people would go unserved. And frankly, the extra work 
wouldn't necessarily bear fruit on a lot of cases. Uh, so I, I'm not criticizing anyone's model, but I, I think it is hard to say I'm going to handle 80 cases and the way you, or 100 cases and the way you have to handle those is kind of a assembly line style and you are going to miss out on some of the things you could do in the bigger cases if you do that. So I think it's a, a choice you have to make, but it's hard to keep the discipline to stick with those choices. Well, I think that that is one of the other things that we've learned from some of the guests that we've had this year um, is if you want to turn a case into a good case, into a great case, you have to do the work. Um, so who are some of the guests that have, have talked a little bit about that? Well, lots. I think mean, almost everybody that's had a big case, when you talk to them, they, they did a ton of work on it. Um, some of the people that have really inspired me, uh, one is Randy McGinn, uh, one of our early guests. But her book and then talking to her is just absolutely inspirational on just how Deep, you know, she's a former journalist. How deep she digs into the story and making the case about the company and the company's bad choices and the company's bad conduct and actually discovering all that evidence. Uh, it's just absolutely inspired, inspiring me. Uh, Jude Basile is another one. I mean, he's a guy that literally only does three or four cases at a time and works his butt on them and gets these incredible, incredible results. Now, I don't have the courage Jude has to only have four cases. I also... Yeah, I guess I'm kind of in the middle. I like having all these other people around me. I like having my firm. I like gives me people to hang out with and talk to and bounce ideas off of. And I don't think I'd want to lose that. Uh, but the but the, it just inspires me every time I talk to them and see all the work they did. You know, for Jude to get an incredible recovery on a case. You know, with someone who's an addict at an addiction treatment center. A lot of society, a lot of lawyers would say, hey, that guy's an addict what's the value of the life what, what, what are they going to do what are they going to make whereas jude was able to find value uh in that case how about you how, what's some of the things you've been inspired by as far as the, the doing the work the digging deep you know um one of the podcasts that was really inspirational i really enjoyed rainy again of course and i enjoyed her book a lot so one of the things that i've been inspired by through some of the podcasts is um that some of the podcast guests like uh michael leaserman and sorry de lamont um, jesse wilson all of those inspire you to do the work on yourself as well as on the cases which is something that i have not done as much in the past um but it really it's not just the work on the cases, it's the internal work that you have to do to um, to really, really get into the case and to do right for your client. I agree. I think the other thing that I really, and, I'm, and it's something that I've slipped out a little bit recently, and uh, and it's more from Leaserman than anyone else, it's the, the zen of it, the accepting the, the, the way things are. And, and one thing that I think we all mis make a mistake at is we we become reactive. We react to the crappy things that the other side does, and we let it get to us, and we focus our efforts. We take our energy away from building the case we need to build and into reacting to them, being outraged by them, being upset by them, filing motions about what they're doing, responding to their BS motions, uh, and then it's zapping our energy away from doing what we need to do. I, I, I need to work... One of my resolutions for 2020 is going to be to get back into my meditation practice and just, okay, they're doing that. That's fine. I'm going to go and keep working on my case, and I'm going to win it. And so they can waste all the time they want with that BS. I'm going to work on my case, and I'm going to try my case. And they can do whatever they want with their case because my case is the truth. 
And when you focus more on your case and not what the defense is doing, the case gets better and better and you find more and more stuff. I mean, that's... And it drives them nuts. <laughs> it drives them absolutely nuts when they pull all their BS to distract you and you don't get distracted by it. And you say, okay. Uh, go ahead. It's much, it's much easier said than done. Uh, it's something that I think takes a, a really active approach to ignoring them. I mean, it's it's not just you can just ignore them. You have to really actively concentrate on this is my case. This is what my focus is. I've written out what my plan is for the case. That's what I'm doing. I don't care what they're doing. Exactly. Uh, and the other thing, though, while we don't want to react to them, there's one quote from our second guest, Joe Freed, that I love. I absolutely love. And it, and it kind of goes into that Zen thing of not having to fight back on everything, but kind of like how can I use what they're doing and that is, how can they be right and we still win? I love that quote. Like, how can the defense be telling the truth, but we still win? So we don't have to fight them on anything. We go, yeah, that's fine. But you still, you're still negligent. My client's still hurt. Uh, and I think that's just such a powerful construct to sit back instead of like, how dare they say that and getting all upset. Like, take a second back. Okay, is there a way that that can be right and we can still win so we don't have to fight, we don't have to worry about it? You know, Rodney Juice says, I spit on that. That's another way to put it. <laughs> but, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, let's say you have a back injury case and the defense says, well, they have degeneration. And, you know, we can either go and fight about it or we can say, okay, did they have pain? Did they have symptoms? Did they need surgery? Did they need medication? Were they able to do their job? Did it affect their life? Okay, well, so what? In our case where a vehicle was parked, you know, partially on the shoulder, partially blocking the highway, I mean, Luckily, we had a passenger, but, I mean, the driver wasn't paying attention. Okay, that's true. You still shouldn't have blocked the road. You're still negligent. What does that have to do with it? Yeah, yeah that, that driver's going to get a percentage, but denying the reality, that doesn't help. So don't get upset about it. Don't fight it. Say, yeah, you're right. Now let's go back to what you did wrong. Yeah, I, th- I, think, that that's, I think that that's really, really powerful. I think the, it, it works in both the liability area and the damages area. I mean, that you look at it and you accept what the facts are and you figure out, okay, these are my facts. What do we do with them? And how do we still make a case out of it? Because it's, you don't get to go around and hurt people that are already sick or already injured. I mean, that's, that's not the way that the law works, but that's right. the way that the defense wants you to think that the law works, that we could just hurt people if they're already injured or they're yeah, already if hurt. They, if they make any mistake at all, if they're at, at all, you know, not 100% ultra virtuous and mistake free and ultra cautious, you know, holding the injured to a much higher standard than the, than the wrongdoers that cause harm. Uh, and it's ridiculous. And we just have to like not buy into it and just say, okay, you got a point. Good for you. Now let's go on and talk about what really happened. Or let, that's not right. Let's go on and talk about the truth of the case, which is, you know, what your client did and the harm that it caused. Yeah. One other thing I've seen in our guests is, you know, the the people that are at the top always seem to be looking for that next edge. And I think some people actually criticize this because we're like crowd lawyers. We're trying to jump, look for the new secret sauce. We're jumping from shiny object to shiny object. Uh, and I think some of that's true. You know, we think that there is some magic formula that we will always win our cases. And that, unfortunately, doesn't exist. Um I mean, there's things that help a lot, but there's nothing that, you know, you become unbeatable if you just do X, Y, or Z. If not, everybody would do that, and we wouldn't even need trials because everything would settle. Um, But I do like the fact that 
the top lawyers are always trying to improve. I mean, look at like Rex Paris with all his study of the neuroscience and how people make decisions and how people think. Uh, you know, Sari De Lamotte with all the nonverbal communication. I mean, she's really inspired me to do a lot of work, actually work with her. Uh, but what I like about Sari is that he is there's no secret sauce, but you can work on just telling your story better, being a better communicator, and being a and being yourself, not trying to be the imitation of one of these other great lawyers of just learning learning to truly be yourself, which is, you know, if you go back to Jerry Spence, that was his model. I mean, although a lot of people just try to imitate him, the fact is he says you have to be you, and you is the power to do it. But you just have to be your full authentic you and not hold yourself back. So I think that's something that's been another common theme on this podcast. Well, how do you reconcile that, Michael, with all of these different guests with just these really, really interesting stories about how they worked up cases or how they built their brands or how they built their business models? And they all have different stories and they all have different tactics. I mean, how do you figure out what works for you? Trial and error. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, I wish there was a better way. I mean, the way I've am figuring out what works for me is I've tried a bunch of cases and then I've done a bunch of other things in depositions and hearings and focus groups. And, uh, I see that some things feel right. Some things tend to resonate and some things frankly don't work well for me that work very well for other people. I've read, you know, other people's books sometimes that have gotten these incredible results and I've tried parroting out what they say and it just doesn't work for me. Uh, and so I don't know any other way to do it than to try it. Yeah. And I think that it's, I think at least for me, what works for one case doesn't work for another case and doesn't work for another jury and doesn't work for another defense attorney. I mean, it's all, you know, I think each tactic you can have sort of in your arsenal of things that you can pull out if you need them, but you have to read the room, right? It's so it's whatever the case is, whatever the jury is, whatever your judge is. Well, I think on an advanced level, but I think the the basics of have a good story, tell it, be yourself, and don't put on airs, and don't try to put on a, sh- a show that's not real. Um, I think those things are universal, no matter who your jury is, who your judge is, what your case is. And I think also universal is that you have to put in the work. It, it doesn't just materialize overnight. No. The case doesn't just come together all of a sudden, you know, while you're sleeping the day before jury selection. No, no. I've tried that. <laughs> you can get verdicts that way, but it's not as uh, not as often and not as predictably. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a very stressful way to live. It's unprepared. Not, it's not a fun way to live. Oh, there was a little bit of fun to being a cowboy and just picking up the file on Friday and trying it on Monday. But when I was doing that, it was they were much smaller stakes. And frankly, the practice I had, those cases, you know, most of them had you know four to six weeks of chiropractic treatment. Uh, did not justify spending unnumbered, untold hours really focusing the case. Uh, you know, that's the docket where I had 200 cases, and I had two or three cases set for trial every Monday. And on Friday, I would just find out whether or not one would go or not. And if it did, then that weekend I would go and get ready and try it. Uh, but it was a very different practice, and that's what those cases needed. Those cases, if, if I had tried our model on those cases, I would have gone out of business. Uh, but then again, if I tried that model in the case we have now, I'd go out of business because we wouldn't, we would not be able to maximize them, and people wouldn't send them to us anymore. You know, one of the things that I've struggled with this year, um, since it's the end of the year, and I guess it's time for confessions, is that um, it seems like 
the cases that the model doesn't work for are the ones that take most of my attention, right? Mm -hmm. And then the ones that you really want to spend all the time on and that you really want to put all the work into, they kind of get pushed to the back burner because you have these things that are constantly trying to get your attention. So what are some of your strategies for, for trying to enforce what you said you were going to do? That's a good question. I, I think that's the problem is that the, the not so good cases uh, and the cases that are where you didn't follow your rules on, on intake to begin with are the cases that end up taking a lot of your time because I'll give an example. If it's a, if it's a different type of case. So let's say we decide, well, Someone comes to us with a commercial litigation case, and there's a huge financial loss, and we can make a lot of money on it. Well, that's well and good, and, and there there may be such a case that one day you and I decide to take, but those cases have a totally different learning curve. Uh, they have you put them together differently. The law is different. We don't know what pisses off a jury there. We don't know how whatever this particular business commercial deal how it operates. So we need to spend so much time learning, and then we will more likely fall into traps the defense is setting, and then having to see if there's a way to dig out when we've made you know a little mistake uh, that that will take up an inordinate amount of time. And I think some things that take up an inordinate amount of time for us are cases that don't have wheels on them. Mm-hmm. You know, if something that's not a truck or a company vehicle, uh, and we saw that last week, we're out there working with Rodney Jew on a case that I'm I'm glad we took. It's a case that's a righteous case. It's a worthy case. I think it's going to be a big case. But it doesn't have wheels on it. It's about an employee that knocked a heavy piece of merchandise off and hit someone in the head and caused a brain injury uh, at a store. But what we realize is we don't know all the rules. We don't have easy access to all the industry standards and publications, and we don't necessarily know where to look for them. And so we're getting it done, but it is taking so much more work and effort on that case. Whereas if it's a trucking case, we know exactly where to look. We know we actually know what 95% of the rules are, what 95% of the secondary sources say, and we're just going and pulling them together. Uh, we can be a lot more efficient uh, when we're doing those kind of cases. Each year, the law firm of Callan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and company vehicle cases. If you have a case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, please contact us. We have experience finding potential defendants that other firms miss, and we've added millions of dollars to cases by finding these sources of recovery. If you have a catastrophic injury or death case where the policy limits appear to be insufficient, give us a call. If we can find another defendant, we can partner on the case. And if we can't, then we won't ask for any of the fees. You can reach Delisi Friday by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to podcast at triallawyernation.com. She will coordinate a time for Michael Cowan to speak with you in person or by phone to discuss the case in detail. And now back to the show. I think efficiency is it's an important part of having the business model that we have because if you want to spend a bunch of time, either we have four cases or we're very efficient, right? Right. So, um, you know, we want to we want to work really focus in a focused way on um, really big cases. But in order to have the number that we have, we also have to know what we're doing, kind of a baseline right. to jump in. And you also have to have a business that has good systems and operates itself largely without you having to constantly jump in. And that's been another one of my struggles is that, you know, I have to, I'm not only working on cases, I'm running a law firm. 
uh, and we have pretty good systems here, but I still keep having to get drug into, you know, redesigning a system, dealing with an employee issue, you know, uh, retooling our marketing plan, those kind of things that take time away from working on the cases. Uh, and I think that's another common theme I've seen in some people on our podcast is, you know, like people that run a brilliant business, you know, Steve Gersten, Jackson, uh, Tim Mackey that consults with lawyers on a running business, you know, creating and enforcing systems within your own firm uh, is the only way to free yourself up uh, to do this deep work into cases. Because if not, you're constantly putting out fires and you're constantly getting interrupted with emergencies and you don't have time to do that. And, and for me, the hardest part, it's easy to me at least, I mean, not to everybody else, to draw out and flowchart out how a system should work. To me, the hardest part is is actually speaking to somebody when they don't follow the system in a positive but firm way and enforcing the systems. Uh, that's one of my other things we're doing for 2020 is, you know, where I've got a non-lawyer, I've created a case audit sheet. So every, I get a notebook once a month on, you know, on each case, have the depots been set, you know, what's really happening during the file reviews, you know, what's the quality of the conversation with our clients that are being documented? Uh, what's the medical status on these cases? So that I can go then and have, you know, hopefully friendly but firm meetings with our lawyers saying, hey, we got to get this stuff done. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, at least at our firm, you're the one with the most experience and the most knowledge to give to everybody. And so you being able to have meaningful conversations with the attorneys without getting drug into other stuff, um, I think that really adds a lot of value to our cases. It does, but then it's a constant juggling act. You know, how much time can I spend working on the three or four biggest cases, which is what I like doing? Uh, how much time do I spend on management, which I need to do and I don't particularly like doing? And then do I leave any time for myself and my family? Because, uh, you know, this last year we've had, you know, professionally and financially, we've had an incredible year. Uh, but I've let myself go health-wise, and, you know, I need to try to find that balance. Uh, and part of it, I think, is going to also be just saying no to more things, too, so that we have that time. I think finding time uh, for yourself and balance with your family is just an incredibly important part of being a lawyer. You can't be a lawyer 24-7 and be a good lawyer um, because you get burnt out, you stop caring and then you lose sight of what are the most important things in life. And the most important things in life make you connect with juries and they make you connect with your clients and they make you connect to your cases. And so if you lose out on that, it makes you a worse lawyer, I think. I agree. You also have to be able to do these deep dives in cases, to spend all like hours of focused time. You have to be in a mental state where you can be focused. When you're burnt out, when you're exhausted, when you're stressed, when you've got a bunch of other things on your mind... I mean, I can spend 10 hours at the office and get nothing meaningful done. Yeah. Uh, I can go through emails. I can review things. I can talk to people and get nothing done of any substance in a full day. Uh, and I can be at the office for four hours and get a lot of great stuff done. Uh, right. And I think that the big difference in those two kinds of days are whether you've had rest whether you've had time to decompress, whether you've been able to spend time with your family and you're not stressed out about them missing you. I mean, all of those things. Are mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of those things are important. Um, and it makes it makes all of us better lawyers to hold on to and remember what are the most important things in life, which yeah. is 
family and your friends and your your life. Okay, so resolution time. It's New Year's. So let's each pick three things that we're going to resolve to do in 2020, and then we can do a show at the end of next year and see if we did them. Oh, my gosh. This is some real accountability. Yeah, and and I didn't warn you I was going to do this either. (laughs) You did not. (laughs) So, all right, Mallory, what are your three resolutions for 2020? So I have a big listening audience to hold me accountable, um, which is a little scary, but that's what's important for New Year's resolutions and really any kind of goal that you have in life is to have people that are going to hold you accountable. Um, And those are the people that really love you or the people that are going to hold you accountable for the things that you do. So my first one is a personal goal. Um, I, uh, this last year, I've sort of been pulled in just completely into the practice of law that I stopped going to yoga. I had this yoga class that I really love down the street from my house. So my goal for 2020 is to go to a yoga class at least once a week um, for the year. So that's a personal goal. Um, What's your first goal, Michael? My first goal is to finish my trucking book. I have a contract with trial guides. Uh, I've been working on it, but I'm a little behind. Uh, and I'm going to have to be purposeful on just setting the time aside because uh, writing is also very, very deep work. And then I'm such a, it's my baby. I want it to be perfect. And if I'm going to say something, you know, I want to make sure I get everything right. And so it's been a ton of work. I've learned a lot. I've actually got a much deeper understanding of things uh, than I thought was possible, actually. after I thought I got most of this after all these years. and uh, But... Finishing that book is my number one goal for 2020. Um, my second goal is one of the things we're doing at our firm is we're bringing in an in-house graphics designer. Most of our graphics have been, um, we've hired contractors to help us with it. Um, so one of my goals is to use more graphics in our cases, but at different stages of the case. Because right now we focus on graphics for trial, but I think that there's a real big place for um really meaningful and purposeful graphics to be used during depositions and mediations. And that's kind of a challenge I want to set for myself this year. I think that's brilliant. You know, so many of the witnesses we end up calling, you know, we, we, we work up these cases and we work them up in our dep- in depositions and then at trial, all these corporate people usually are not available. And so we've done all this work. We have all these beautiful graphics and then half the trial is showing boring depositions of a talking head. And I think that having graphics to engage the jury, help them learn better, uh, is going to be great, number one. Number two, when you do the work to create the graphic and, and create and, you know, and, and create a visual storytelling plan for your case and kind of set it out, you know, you see the holes, you fill them in, but you are so much better prepared. for. You know, when, when, when we've done this prior to depot in the past, we, the depot goes so much better because you've got a plan for it, you've thought it out, you're better prepared for it. And finally, it scares the fuck out of the other side. Excuse my language, yeah. but it scares the <laughs> crap out of them. I mean, when, when you're at an early deposition and you're showing up with custom-made exhibits, you know, drawings, models, it just freaks them out because they, they see how much more work you're doing than they are. And they must, they're like, my, this must be a good case, or they wouldn't be doing all this. I'm behind, and it just absolutely starts the panic early. Well, my second resolution then is to stay on target, which is on the cases that I am taking a personal interest in is make my plan and keep it up. 
get the depot set that we want to get, spend the time, spend what we call the, the work days on cases where we you know, shut, up, shut off the phone, don't check email, and just work on a case for six, eight hours at a time. But really keep up that thing and don't get distracted and, and don't get where we're announcing for trial and I still got half the things on my to-do list and I'm like, oh, crap, I never did that. Uh, so staying on target, folks staying on focus and not letting other people pull me away from the important parts of the case. I think I think that that's so important. I think the workday is something that we've developed this year that has really, really been a game changer for our practice. Um, and a lot of the workday we, we spend just thinking about things. It's just thinking, which is weird that you have to set aside time to like turn your brain on and start thinking about something. But it really is just full concentration, all of your energy towards this case. And it's totally exhausting. I mean, you can't do it every day and you can't spend every day of every week working the way that you do in a work day. But when you set aside the time, it gives you more energy to do it because you're excited about it. Um, but then you're not pulled away or distracted by anything else. And so you can really get stuff done, even though it feels like you're just sitting around thinking most of the day. Yeah. And then that gives you what you need to do to create your visual plan, to work with your graphic artist and everything else so that your depots go so much better. And then after the depots, you plan, what do I need to do next? What other depots do I need to take? What other documents do I need to get? Then by the time you get to trial, well, half the time, more than half the time, they don't let you try the case because they start throwing money at you. But the other thing is you are so ready and you're excited about it and you've tested it and you know you're going to win. And it's just such a better way to practice. Okay, number three. So... Number three um, is something that I, I don't know if I heard it at a conference or where I heard it, but I just think it's just a brilliant idea. For each of my cases, I'm going to make um, not a to-do list, but sort of a working ideas list that it's going to be on one document. And what it is, is just ideas for themes of a case, ideas for strategies, ideas for different kinds of topics that I want to get for different depositions, but I want everything to be organized in one place because I feel like when I go into a deposition, I'm scrambling, pulling from all sorts of areas. I have stuff written down. I have it on the computer. I have it on my laptop. I have it all over the place. And so then I feel like I don't necessarily get all of my ideas out in a deposition or in a hearing because they're in all kinds of places. So I want to be more organized and keep it sort of in one central location, which I also think is great because then my team can access it and kind of see where my head's at on cases sometimes. Awesome. And that is because if you don't write it down, you're not going to remember it three months later. Right. And that taking in one place is so important too, because I don't know how many times I've been getting ready for trial or we settled a case and I'm just going through the file and I find these notes I made with these great ideas that we then, and sometimes they have like four or five stars to make sure I go back and look at them. <laughs> and then I never looked at it again. Right. And didn't follow through. Uh, and so what is your final resolution for the well, year? My final resolution is to take care of my health. Uh, and I'm going to try to do it in a more moderate way, believe it or not. Because what I've done in the past is say, okay, well, then I'm going to do a triathlon. I'm going to run a marathon. And then I get so intent on that. It works. I, you know, I lose a lot of weight. I run a marathon and finish it. But then I start falling behind in work because I'm so focused on that. So the two things I'm going to do, my wife actually, and this is shocking to me, but said she wants to sign up for the Rock and Roll Half Marathon oh. in San Antonio next December. So I'm, my go one goal is to run that with her. Uh, and a half marathon is not something that, you know, the, the biggest run is 10 miles. It's not some. I know 10 miles might sound like a lot to other people. It, it sounds enormous to me. Know, but. But, <laughs> but there is a quantitative difference between working up to a 10-mile run and working up to a 20- or 22-mile run where you're spending hours on the road and then 
frankly, you know, well, a 10 mile run will run me out. I can run five or six miles and still get work done later that day. If I run, you know, 15, 18, 20 miles in a day, I am worthless that day and fairly worthless the next day. Uh, as far as being any, having any energy left to focus on anything other than the thought of running. Uh, so I am going to do the moderate running and get back into that. And the other thing is just on, I'm not going to do the crazy diet because those don't work, but I'm going to go back to trying to remember to put my fork down between bites so that I'm not just shoveling food in my mouth and I am going to take the time to actually taste what I'm eating and take time between bites so that I probably end up eating less. I think that's great. I think those are all great goals. I think we have some some big goals that we've set for ourselves this year. So we'll see what happens. And uh, so what I'd like our listeners to do, if you're in the Trial Lawyer Nation Insider Circle, uh, post your goals for the year on there. And then, uh, you know, we'll talk about it. We're doing our first Facebook Live coming up in January. We'll Ooh. be announcing that soon. How exciting. Uh, so send in your questions for that. And then... Uh, we will hold you accountable. If you post your goals to the Facebook group, then we will uh, check in with you in uh, the end of 2020 and see how you did. For the Travelers Insider Circle, can you tell me more about what the Facebook Live is? Yeah, we're, I've never done a Facebook Live before, but Facebook Live is where you go on video and people that are members of the Trial Lawyer Nation Insider Circle Facebook group can log in. And then it'll be a live, kind of like a video chat uh, where you can interact with me you know you can type in questions i don't think it's voice coming to us i think it's no it's just the comments they can just comment while you're recording yeah so you guys do you can type questions type comments and then i will respond and do my best answer oh that's pretty cool is it is it going to be a set time i guess that it happens yes and as soon as i know what it is yeah. <laughs> we will we will announce it there will be an announcement that comes along with this episode that says when it is uh, and i'm excited about it because there have been some questions asked uh before when people sending questions that frankly are a little too inside baseball uh for this podcast I, I do my best to be open and honest on this podcast but we also have a lot of defense lawyers listening and there are some things that are kind of i don't mind sharing with other plaintiff lawyers uh but there's some things I don't particularly want to reveal to the whole world, like my people on the other side of cases to me. Uh, we vetted the Insiders Circle group to make sure it's only plaintiff's personal injury lawyers. And uh, as a result, I think I'll be far more comfortable to answer those kind of questions. So people that ask questions about like medical finance and some other kind of trickier issues, right? Uh, I'll be very happy to answer those and to give my true opinions on the companies that uh, lend money to clients at three-figure interest rates and et cetera. Well, I think that's really exciting. And so if you're not part of Insider Circle, Traveler Nation Insider Circle, um, I think you just Google or you Facebook search for the group and you have to answer a couple of questions to be able to join and then we have to vet you. Yeah. So go ahead and do it now so we have time to to vet everybody so that they can participate in the Facebook Live. Yeah, I'm excited. It's something new, something different, but we wanted to try it just to get a little bit more interactivity with our, with our audience. Yeah. And by the way, for the audience, we actually do read all of the questions. And if your question hasn't been answered on air, it's probably because of the issues that Michael just talked about. Um, and it's not because we're ignoring your questions. Yeah, just some <laughs> of them I just don't think are – I'm just not brave enough to answer – not brave, but I'm, I'm too wise to answer right. in a uh, – in mixed company with defense lawyers <laughs> listening. And I, we love you guys. You're welcome yeah. to listen. I love the fact that you write us checks. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're not going to give you all our secrets. 
Well, I am so excited that this podcast has been on for two years. Um, Here's to another great year of listening. If anybody has any ideas for guests or someone they want to hear from, I mean, always shoot shoot us a message. Yeah, we are. We are actively looking for for people that have something to share, uh, something that would be useful to other people that not just bragging about themselves or trying to hustle for business, but actually, you know, new and original ideas. Uh, and frankly, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there I don't know of that could add a lot. So please, please continue to submit uh, ideas for guests. Uh, there's some people that we've been great people that I wish I could mention that we just haven't been able to, they've said yes, but we haven't been able to just make schedules align and stuff. But we're looking forward to a great 2020. So uh, I hope you guys, we had a great year. We're looking forward to a better one next year. I hope you guys all have a wonderful 2020 and that you keep listening to Trial Lawyer Nation. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us on Trial Lawyer Nation. I hope you enjoyed our show. If you're listening to this episode on a mobile device, please click on Ratings and Review and leave our show a five-star rating and write a review. And if you're listening to this episode from our website, please leave a five-star rating on the episode page. We'd love to reach more listeners, and doing this will help more attorneys find this podcast. You can also visit our website at www.triallawyernation.com to opt into our mailing list so you can stay updated on our new episodes. I promise we won't spam you. And thanks to your feedback, we've improved our podcast website. There's now a resources tab that you can click that shows you all the books we've mentioned on our podcast. If you have a Facebook account, please send us a request to join our private group called Trial Lawyer Nation Insider Circle. This exclusive group will allow you to hear about our guests before an episode airs, interact with the show, and get a sneak peek at some of the -the behind-the-scenes moments. I love to hear from all of you, and our Table Talk episodes are based solely on questions from our fans. So please continue to send us emails at podcast at triallawyernation.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to having you with us next time on Trial Lawyer Nation. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and company vehicle cases. If you have a case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, please contact us. We have experience finding potential defendants that other firms miss, and we've added millions of dollars to cases by finding these sources of recovery. If you have a catastrophic injury or death case where the policy limits appear to be insufficient, give us a call. If we can find another defendant, we can partner on the case. And if we can't, then we won't ask for any of the fees. You can reach Delisi Friday by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to podcast at triallawyernation.com. She will coordinate a time for Michael Cowan to speak with you in person or by phone to discuss the case in detail. This podcast has been hosted by Michael Cowan and is not intended to, nor does it create the attorney-client privilege between our hosts, guests, or contributors, and any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. All thoughts and opinions expressed herein are only those from which they came.